Chapter Thirty, Part One, of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology, by Charles Lyell. Chapter Thirty, Elevation and Subsidence of Land, without Earthquakes changes in the relative level of land and sea in regions not volcanic opinion of celsius that the waters of the baltic sea and northern ocean were sinking objections raised to his opinion proofs of the stability of the sea level in the baltic playfair's hypothesis that the land was rising in sweden opinion of von buch marks cut on the rocks survey of these in 1820 facility of detecting slight alterations of level on coast of sweden shores of the ocean also rising area upheaved shelly deposits of the udavala of stockholm containing fossil shells characteristic of the baltic subsidence in south of sweden fishing hut buried under marine strata upheaval in sweden not always in horizontal plains sinking of land in greenland bearing of these facts on geology we have now considered the phenomena of volcanoes and earthquakes according to the division of the subject before proposed and have next to turn our attention to those slow and insensible changes in the relative level of land and sea which take place in countries remote from volcanoes and where no violent earthquakes have occurred within the period of human observation early in the last century the swedish naturalist celsius expressed his opinion that the waters both of the baltic and northern ocean were gradually subsiding from numerous observations he inferred that the rate of depression was about fifty swedish inches in a century in support of this position he alleged that there were many rocks both on the shores of the baltic and the ocean known to have been once sunken reefs and dangerous to navigators but which were in his time above water that the waters of the gulf of bothnia had been gradually converted into land several ancient ports having been changed into inland cities small islands joined to the continent and old fishing grounds deserted as being too shallow or entirely dried up celsius also maintained that the evidence of the change rested not only on modern observations but on the authority of the ancient geographers who had stated that scandinavia was formerly an island this island he argued must in the course of centuries by the gradual retreat of the sea have become connected with the continent an event which he supposed to have happened after the time of pliny and before the ninth century of our era to this argument it was objected that the ancients were so ignorant of the geography of the most northern parts of europe that their authority was entitled to no weight and that the representation of scandinavia as an island might with more propriety be adduced to prove the scantiness of their information than to confirm so bold an hypothesis it was also remarked that if the land which connected scandinavia with the main continent 
was laid dry between the time of Pliny and the ninth century, to the extent to which it is known to have risen above the sea at the latter period, the rate of depression could not have been uniform, as was pretended, for it ought to have fallen much more rapidly between the ninth and eighteenth centuries. Many of the proofs relied on by Celsius and his followers were immediately controverted by several philosophers, who saw clearly that a fall of the sea in any one region could not take place without a general sinking of the waters over the whole globe. They denied that this was the fact, or that the depression was universal, even in the Baltic. In proof of the stability of the level of that sea, they appealed to the position of the island Saltholm, not far from Copenhagen. This island is so low that in autumn and winter it is permanently overflowed, and it is only dry in summer, when it serves for pasturing cattle. It appears from the documents of the year 1280 that Saltholm was then also in the same state and exactly on a level with the mean height of the sea instead of having been about twenty feet under water, as it ought to have been, according to the computation of Celsius. Several towns also on the shores of the Baltic, as Lübeck, Wismar, Rostock, Stralsund, and others, after six and even eight hundred years, are as little elevated above the sea as at the era of their foundation, being now close to the water's edge. The lowest part of Danzig was no higher than the mean level of the sea in the year 1000, and after eight centuries its relative position remains exactly the same. Several of the examples of the gain of land and shallowing of the sea pointed out by Celsius, and afterwards by Linnaeus, who embraced the same opinions, were ascribed by others to the deposition of sediment at points where rivers entered and undoubtedly Celsius had not sufficiently distinguished between changes due to these causes and such as would arise if the waters of the ocean itself were diminishing. Many large rivers descending from a mountainous country, at the head of the Gulf of Bothnia, enter the sea charged with sand, mud, and pebbles, and it was said that in these places the low land had advanced rapidly, especially near Tornio. At Pitia, also, half a mile had been gained in forty-five years, at Lulio no less than a mile in twenty-eight years. Facts which might all be admitted consistently with the assumptions that the level of the Baltic had remained unchanged, like that of the Adriatic, during a period when the plains of the Po and the Adige have greatly extended their area. It was also alleged that certain insular rocks, once entirely covered with water, had at length protruded themselves above the waves, and grown, in the course of a century and a half, to be eight feet high. The following attempt was made to explain away this phenomenon. In the Baltic, large erratic blocks, as well as sand and smaller stones which lie on shoals, are liable every year to be frozen into the ice, where the sea freezes to the depth of five or six feet. On the melting of the snow in spring, when the sea rises about half a fathom, numerous ice islands float away, bearing up these rocky fragments so as to convey them to a distance, and if they are driven by the waves upon shoals they may convert them into islands by depositing the blocks. If stranded upon low islands they may considerably augment their height. 
Roalius also, and some other Swedish naturalists, affirmed that some islands were lower than formerly, and that by reference to this kind of evidence there was equally good reason for contending that the level of the Baltic was gradually rising. They also added another curious proof of the permanency of the water level, at some points at least for many centuries. On the Finland coast were some large pines, growing close to the water's edge. These were cut down, and by counting the concentric rings of annual growth, as seen in a transverse section of the trunk, it was demonstrated that they had stood there for four hundred years. Now, according to the Celsian hypothesis, the sea had sunk about fifteen feet during that period, in which case the germination and early growth of these pines must have been, for many seasons, below the level of the water. In like manner, it was asserted that the lower walls of many ancient castles, such as those of Sonderberg and Abo, reached then to the water's edge, and must therefore, according to the theory of Celsius, have been originally constructed below the level of the sea. In reply to this last argument, Colonel Halström, a Swedish engineer, well acquainted with the Finland coast, assured me that the base of the walls of the castle of Abbo is now ten feet above the water, so that there may have been a considerable rise of the land at that point, since the building was erected. Playfair, in his illustrations of the Hottonian theory, in 1802, admitted the sufficiency of the proofs adduced by Celsius, but attributed the change of level to the movement of the land, rather than to a diminution of the waters. He observed, quote, that in order to depress or elevate the absolute level of the sea by a given quantity in any one place, we must depress or elevate it by the same quantity over the whole surface of the earth, whereas no such necessity exists with respect to the elevation or depression of the land. Unquote. The hypothesis of the rising of the land, he adds, agrees well with the Hottonian theory, which holds that our continents are subject to be acted upon by the expansive forces of the mineral regions, that by these forces they have been actually raised up and are sustained by them in their present situation. In the year 1807, von Buch, after returning from a tour in Scandinavia, announced his conviction that the whole country, from Frederikshall in Norway to Abo in Finland, and perhaps as far as St. Petersburg, was slowly and insensibly rising. He also suggested that Sweden may rise more than Norway, and the northern more than the southern part. He was led to these conclusions principally by information obtained from the inhabitants and pilots, and in part by the occurrence of marine shells of recent species which he had found at several points on the coast of Norway, above the level of the sea. He also mentions the marks set on the rocks. Von Buch, therefore, has the merit of being the first geologist who, after a personal examination of the evidence, declared in favor of the rise of land in Scandinavia. The attention excited by this subject in the early part of the last century induced many philosophers in Sweden to endeavor to determine, by accurate observations, whether the standard level of the Baltic was really subject to periodical variations, 
and under their direction lines or grooves indicating the ordinary level of the water on a calm day together with the date of the year were chiseled out upon the rocks in eighteen twenty to twenty one all the marks made before those years were examined by the officers of the pilotage establishment of sweden and in their report to the royal academy of stockholm they declared that on comparing the level of the sea at the time of their observations with that indicated by the ancient marks they found that the baltic was lower relatively to the land in certain places but the amount of change during equal periods of time had not been everywhere the same during their survey they cut new marks for the guidance of future observers several of which i had an opportunity of examining fourteen years after in the summer of eighteen thirty four and in that interval the land appeared to me to have risen at certain places north of stockholm four or five inches i also convinced myself during my visit to sweden after conversing with many civil engineers pilots and fishermen and after examining some of the ancient marks that the evidence formally adduced in favour of the change of level both on the coasts of sweden and finland was full and satisfactory the alteration of level evidently diminishes as we proceed from the northern parts of the gulf of bothnia towards the south being very slight around stockholm some writers have indeed represented the rate of depression of the waters at stockholm as very considerable because certain houses in that city which are built on piles have sunk down within the memory of persons still living so as to be out of the perpendicular and this in consequence of the tops of the piles giving way and decaying owing to a fall of the waters which has exposed them to be alternately wet and dry the houses alluded to are situated on the borders of lake mailer a large lake the outlet of which joins the baltic in the middle of stockholm this lake is certainly lower than formerly but the principal cause of the change is not the elevation of the land but the removal of two old bridges built on piles which formerly obstructed the discharge of the fresh water into the sea another cause is the opening in the year eighteen nineteen of a new canal at Sattertelge, a place south of stockholm by means of which a new line of communication was formed between lake mailer and the baltic it will naturally be asked whether the mean level of a sea like the baltic can ever be determined so exactly as to permit us to appreciate a variation of level amounting only to one or two feet in reply i may observe that except near the Cattegat, there are no tides in the baltic and it is only when particular winds have prevailed for several days in succession or at certain seasons when there has been an unusually abundant influx of river water or when these causes have combined that this sea is made to rise two or three feet above its standard level the fluctuations due to these causes are nearly the same from year to year so that the pilots and fishermen believe and apparently with reason that they can mark a deviation even of a few inches from the ordinary or mean height of the waters 
there are moreover peculiarities in the configuration of the shores of norway and sweden which facilitate in a remarkable degree the appreciation of slight changes in the relative level of land and water it has often been said that there are two coasts the inner and an outer one the inner being the shore of the main land the outer one a fringe of countless rocky islands of all dimensions called the share boats and small vessels make their coasting voyages within this share for here they may sail in smooth water even when the sea without is strongly agitated but the navigation is very intricate and the pilot must possess a perfect acquaintance with the breadth and depth of every narrow channel and the position of innumerable sunken rocks if on such a coast the land rises one or two feet in the course of a half a century the minute topography of the share is entirely altered to a stranger indeed who revisits it after an interval of many years its general aspect remains the same but the inhabitant finds that he can no longer penetrate with his boat through channels which he formerly passed and he can tell of countless other changes in the height and breadth of isolated rocks now exposed but once only seen through clear water. The rocks of Gneiss, mica schist, and quartz are usually very hard on this coast, slow to decompose, and when protected from the breakers, remaining for ages unaltered in their form. Hence it is easy to mark the stages of their progressive emergence by the aid of natural and artificial marks imprinted on them besides the summits of fixed rocks there are numerous erratic blocks of vast size strewed over the shoals and islands in the stair which have been probably drifted by the ice in the manner before suggested all these are observed to have increased in height and dimension with the last half century some which were formerly known as dangerous sunken rocks are now only hidden when the water is highest on their first appearance, they usually present a smooth, bare, rounded protuberance, a few feet or yards in diameter, and a single seagull often appropriates to itself this resting place, resorting there to devour its prey. Similar points, in the meantime, have grown to long reefs, and are constantly whitened by a multitude of sea fowl, while others have been changed from a reef annually submerged to a small islet on which a few lichens a fir seedling and a few blades of grass attest that the shoal has at length been fairly changed into dry land thousands of wooded islands around show the great alterations which time can work in the course of centuries also the spaces intervening between the existing islands may be laid dry and become grassy plains encircled by heights well clothed with lofty firs this last step of the process by which long fjords and narrow channels once separating wooded islands are now deserted by the sea has been exemplified within the memory of living witnesses on several parts of the coast had the apparent fall of the waters been observed in the baltic only we might have endeavoured to explain the phenomenon by local causes affecting that sea alone 
for instance the channel by which the baltic discharges its surplus waters into the atlantic might be supposed to have been gradually widened and deepened by the waves and currents in which case a fall of the water like the water alluded to in lake mailer might have occurred but the lowering of level would in that case have been uniform and universal and the waters could not have sunk at Tornio, while they retained their former level at copenhagen such an explanation is also untenable on other grounds for it is a fact as celsius long ago affirmed that the alteration of level extends to the western shores of sweden bordering the ocean the signs of elevation observed between Odevela and gothenburg were as well established as those on the shores of the bothnian gulf among the places where they may be studied are the islands of marstrand and gulholmen the last mentioned locality being one of those particularly pointed out by celsius the inhabitants there and elsewhere affirm that the rate of the sinking of the sea or elevation of the land varies in different and adjoining districts being greatest at points where the land is low but in this they are deceived for they measure the amount of rise by the area gained which is most considerable where the land descends with a gentle slope into the sea in the same manner some advocates of the celsian theory formerly appealed to the increase of lands near the mouths of rivers not sufficiently adverting to the fact that if the bed of the sea is rising the change will always be most sensible where the bottom has been previously rendered shallow whereas at a distance from these points where the scarped granitic cliffs plunge at once into deep water a much greater amount of elevation is necessary to produce an equally conspicuous change as to the area in northern europe which is subject to this slow upheaving movement we have not as yet sufficient data for estimating it correctly it seems probable however that it reaches from gothenburg to tornio and from thence to the north cape the rate of elevation increasing always as we proceed farther northwards the two extremities of this line are more than a thousand geographical miles distant from each other and as both terminate in the ocean we know not how much farther the motion may be prolonged under water as to the breadth of the tract its limits are equally uncertain though it evidently extends across the widest parts of the gulf of bothnia and may probably stretch far into the interior both of sweden and finland now if the elevation continue a larger part of the gulf of bothnia will be turned into land as also more of the ocean off the west coast of sweden between gothenburg and Udavala. and on the other hand if the change has been going on for thousands of years at the rate of several feet in a century large tracts of what is now land must have been submarine in periods comparatively modern it is natural therefore to inquire whether there are any signs of the recent sojourn of the sea on districts now inland the answer is most satisfactory near Udavala and the neighboring coastland we find upraised deposits of shells belonging to species such as now live in the ocean while on the opposite or eastern side of sweden near stockholm gefla and other places bordering the bothnian gulf there are analogous beds containing shells of species characteristic of
the Baltic. Von Buch announced in 1807 that he had discovered in Norway and at Udavala in Sweden beds of shells of existing species at considerable heights above the sea. Since that time, other naturalists have confirmed his observation, and according to Strong, deposits occur at an elevation of more than 400 feet above the sea in the northern part of Norway. Mr. Alex Broniart, when he visited Udavala, ascertained that one of the principal masses of shells, that of Kapelbakken, is raised more than 200 feet above the sea, resting on rocks of gneiss, all the species being identical with those now inhabiting the contiguous ocean. The same naturalist also stated that on examining with care the surface of the gneiss, immediately above the ancient shelly deposit, he found barnacles, volany, adhering to the rocks, showing that the sea had remained there for a long time. It was fortunate enough to be able to verify this observation by finding in the summer of 1834 at Curid, about two miles north of Udavala, and at the height more than a hundred feet above the sea, a surface of gneiss, newly laid upon by the partial removal of a mass of shells used largely in the district for making lime and repairing the roads. So firmly did these barnacles adhere to the gneiss that I broke off portions of the rock with the shells attached. The face of the gneiss was also encrusted with small zoophytes, Celopera. But had these or the barnacles been exposed in the atmosphere ever since the elevation of the rocks above the sea, they would doubtless have decomposed and been obliterated. End of section seventy three.